Prologue, New York City, 2010 You have to disappear. Carol Langford took one last look around the small apartment. It had been four days since she had last spoken to its owner. Four days since the phone call, after Senator John Carlson and his wife had been murdered. She remembered the terrible quality of the line. Not surprising when she discovered that he was calling her from 7,000 miles away. She remembered how the static couldn't mask the pain in his voice, physical as well as the other kind. He was hurting, trying, and failing to hide it. She thought about how he hadn't really answered any of her questions, but that was standard, of course. What was he doing over there? What did he have to do with the death of, no, the assassination of her boss? Who exactly was it that she had to fear so much? Who the hell was he, really? No. The conversation had been one way, as usual. Don't go near the office. Go to this address. Lose your phone. You have to disappear. Four days. She had left the apartment only once in that time to buy bottles of water and some toiletries from the CVS two blocks away. After hours of watching rolling news coverage of the assassination, going outside had been a terrifying experience. She was constantly on edge, flinching when she caught the eye of someone smoking in a doorway, or when one of the other pedestrians veered a little too close to her on the sidewalk. On reaching the store, she immediately averted her eyes from the rack of newspapers, but not before she saw the senator's face smiling back from every one of the front pages. Almost as an afterthought, she had picked up a pack of Revlon black hair dye. Four days of confinement to this tiny apartment, with its window looking out on a brick wall. Four days of ordering takeout with the cheap cell phone he had left, paying with cash from the bundle in the closet. There were so many other preparations. IDs in three different names, cash in different currencies, a set of car keys, the gun. Who did that? What kind of person maintains an apartment ready for when they need to disappear? She had had four days to ponder that question now, and she kept coming back to one conclusion. She didn't know what kind of person did that, and that meant she really didn't know him, period. All she really knew was that he was involved somehow. He had called to warn her, so perhaps that meant he hadn't known exactly what was going to happen to the senator. But he was a part of it. That much was certain. Too late, she had realized how far her focus on career had taken her from a normal life, even before the man with inquisitive green eyes had walked into the foyer of Carlson's building all those weeks ago. Her parents were both gone. There had never been any siblings. Friends and acquaintances had gradually melted away since college, until the only people she ever talked to were work people. She wished there was somebody she could call. But then, even if there was, could she be sure she wouldn't be putting them in mortal danger?
She had avoided coming to the decision at first. She had forced herself to try to think rationally, to wait for the anger to burn off. But it hadn't. It had only intensified. It was only in the last hour that she had made up her mind. That last time they talked would be the last time they would ever talk. She had thought she loved him. Now, she wasn't sure what she thought, but it didn't matter anymore. She took the last two bottles of water from the refrigerator and walked over to the coffee table where the canvas backpack was sitting. The pack was almost full. She put the bottles of water on top of the bundled-up shirts, which were stuffed on top of the nearly $5,000 in cash from the closet. One last time, she wondered about taking the gun.